0: And now, here's your host, Seth Green.
1: Welcome to the Direct Response Podcast. Today, it is my incredible honor to be joined by Jay Samet. Jay is the CEO of SeaChange International, which is listed on the NASDAQ at SEAC. He is a dynamic entrepreneur and intrapreneur who is widely recognized as one of the world's leading experts on disruption and innovation. He launches billion-dollar businesses, transforms entire industries, revamps government institutions, and for over three decades continues to be at the forefront of global trends. Everyone from the Pope to the President calls on Samet to orchestrate positive change in this era of endless innovation. He helped grow with pre-IPO companies such as LinkedIn and eBay that you might have heard of held senior management roles at Sony and Universal Studios, and pioneered breakthrough advancements in mobile video, internet advertising, e-commerce, social networks, e-books, and digital music that are used by billions of consumers every day. Jay, thank you so much for joining us
2: today. Hey, it's an honor to be here, Seth.
1: I appreciate that. Let's go back in time a little bit. You weren't always the innovation agent. How did you get started?
2: Well, I started like everybody else. I, I bought into uh, society's implicit contract of get good grades, go to good university, and live happily ever after. Except when I got out of school, the country was in a recession. There were no jobs. So you end up having to create your own job. And my dream was I wanted to be, uh, do special effects in Hollywood uh, using computers. Uh, didn't know how to, had no contacts. Um, and when I realized nobody was going to hire somebody with any without any experience, I printed up some business cards for a made-up company called Jasmine Productions, J. Allen Salmon, and it's mine. And I didn't even make myself boss of the company, and I started just hustling, knocking on doors. And when you suddenly get hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of work and you don't have a clue how to do it, congratulations, you're an entrepreneur. <laughs> so I uh, hired people and delegated I hired people with the real skill sets to do the work. And uh, one thing led to another. Next thing you know, uh, there was uh, a lot of money coming into this town of a joint venture between IBM, Pioneer Electronics in Japan, and Universal to create a thing called the Laser Disc, those big 12 inch giant things that look like giant CDs. I remember. And they said, Do you know how to do it? And I said, Do you have a budget? And they said, We have a huge budget. I said, Sure. And next thing you know, you're at the center of figuring out how to put video on a computer, and the rest has been history.
1: Absolutely incredible. And obviously the uh, longer version of that story, Ken, um, is perhaps in uh, one of the best-selling books that you've written. What do you um, wish started that you know now?
2: Um what I got early advice, which is really, you know, I continue to pass on, which is you really have to be either the best in the world at what you do or the only one doing it. And if you think about it, if you're the only one doing it, you're the best in the world. So right now we live in a world where we're so interconnected. You're one click away from six billion people. So anybody can hire anybody. Anybody can sell to anybody. So unless you can really differentiate that brand of you, that, that one individual, uh you're gonna have a tough time uh standing out and and having your career excel and so you know i basically went on that path of what is something new and let me get ahead of it because when you look around today there are bitcoin experts there are social media experts there's internet of things experts where did they all come from they started just like i did with my business cards they just said one day, I'm an expert in this new thing, and then worked their butts off to defend that turf.
1: Absolutely. What now you have gone from obviously positions with Sony and Universal to then running a public company. Your list of so partners includes, you know, a who's who include I mean Bill Gates, Steven Spielberg, Steve Jobs, Reed Hoffman, Richard Branson. How did you get connected with some of those folks, and how were you able to build those relationships?
2: So I'll give a great example, and I talk about it in my book, Disrupt You, which really teaches people how to do this. Um, when we were, were working on putting the first video on computers, okay, Um, came up with a game that I thought was a really clever idea. Um, remember those little slider puzzles as a kid where the pieces were all mixed up and you move them back together and it makes a picture? Yes. We figured out how to do that with moving video, so each little square was moving. And it took me about two seconds to say, wow, what would be the hardest video, one with a lot of edits? What if we could do this with music videos? This would be a huge game. Uh, One problem, I don't know anything about music uh, videos. I didn't know anybody in the music business at the time. But I knew that this game would only work on Windows computers, and that would be good for Bill Gates. So what if I got Bill Gates to write a letter of introduction to David Geffen, who was the biggest billionaire uh, in the music industry at the time. He, he'd uh, signed people like the Eagles and uh, Linda Ronstadt, et cetera, et cetera. Great plan. Two minor flaws with my plan. I don't know Bill Gates, and I don't know David Geffen. So I reached out to somebody at Microsoft and said, hey, i got this plan that'll make uh, your Windows cool. And I got lucky. And they send it to Bill. And when the richest man in the world asks another billionaire to take a meeting, he does. And next thing you know, you're partnered with uh, you know some of the most powerful people. It's that easy. Most people won't get out of their comfort zone. Most people let fear of failure stop them from achieving their goals. And when you realize that you're as limitless as the universe and you have endless possibilities, change becomes easy because. Where change is hard, and I now run a public company, and I've run big companies with you know, hundreds of thousands of employees, those companies can't change as quickly as that individual entrepreneur, that go-getter. So why not go and shoot for you know, the most audacious thing? And that's when you realize why we have so many self-made billionaires in their 20s nowadays. They don't have to defend the legacy business. They don't have to worry about cannibalizing another revenue stream it's uh, it's really that easy to you know change the world
1: absolutely incredible i know every venture hasn't been a home run and sometimes we learn more from avoiding other people's mistakes than we do just trying to copy their amazing success what have been um some of the mistakes you've overcome and what did you learn from them more importantly
2: how many how many months do you want this conversation to go <laughs> um The the key is you have to start recognizing that there's a huge difference between failing and failure. You know, failing is figuring out what doesn't work. You know, Edison failed 10,000 times. He came up with a light bulb. Okay, we consider him the, the genius, the great inventor. Most people, however, when they hit an obstacle, they suddenly go to failure, which is throwing in the towel and saying, you know, I failed. And really, being an entrepreneur is about solving problems for others. So you're not going to hit the solution right at the beginning. And this is where many people you know, have this, this false impression, and again, I talked about it in Disrupt You, that you have this eureka moment of this perfect you know, flux capacitor, finished product, and, and you're going to be Doc Brown. It doesn't work that way. You have a glimmer of an idea. Ideas are worthless. Okay, But as you start exploring that idea and go down that path, you will go further down into that deep, dark path than anyone else has. And if you look at the data and you look at what you learned from each mistake, you will discover something down there that no one else discovered because nobody bothered to work that hard to get there. And that's where innovation happens. And I'll give you, give you one, of my, one of my favorite examples. When broadband came out about 10 years ago, Internet dating was already huge. And three guys had a brilliant idea, they thought. What if we made it so we put videos up So instead of a still picture of the person that you might want to date, it would be a video. You'd get their personality, their voice. It'd be so much more powerful. And they named it TuneIn Hookup, and they're going to make billions, right? Well, the three guys built the site. They put it up there, and boom. Nobody wants to date these losers. They thought they had a brilliant idea. They did everything, but they looked at the data. And the data said nobody wanted to date these losers, but everybody wanted to show their friends these videos of these losers that thought that they could get a date. And people would share those videos. And it became so popular, they changed the name in their very first year of business from TuneIn Hookup to YouTube. And one year into business, they became billionaires. Wow, I did not know that story. Virtually every business that you think of pivoted. And learning how to pivot is the key. And data is your best friend. Data doesn't lie. Data should be invited to every meeting. Data will never steer you wrong. Should you make the button red or yellow? Should you put it here? Should it be there? You can a B test endlessly. So really being an entrepreneur is like sailing in a little small sailboat. A sailboat doesn't make a straight line. you know Columbus didn't go you know from Europe straight. You go with the wind you get a little breeze here you, you, you tack a little to the right, you tack a little left, and you zigzag until you get to your destination. And so that's really what the process is. And the the second you realize that that's the process, then you look forward to the failure because that's where you learn. You learn by those little mistakes, and it's stopping to say, wait a second, I'm not going to be pigheaded. I'm not going to say I had all the answers. So I, I talk about in my book what I call the zombie idea. A zombie idea is an idea that can't be killed. You're right. Your purpose when you start a business is to fail as quickly as possible. You want to fail, hopefully, mentally before you start spending money in iterations. You want to fail early and often. And you want to go to people that will tell you not that your idea is great and you're going to be a success, but you want to go to people that were actual customers that will tell you this is the worst idea and here's why. Because if you keep on going back to those people until they can't tell you why the idea sucks, then you have an idea that can't be killed and then go out and raise money and then success is just a few more steps away.
1: That makes a lot of sense and is great advice. What do you like best about running sea change
2: So sea change is the company that invented video on in demand. If you've ever ordered a movie, you know, uh, that's us. We power the world's cable companies, satellite companies, uh, everybody. What I like about it is when I grew up, there were some old men somewhere that told you what you'd watch you know, at what time, and you had to sit in your living room. Today, you can watch whatever you want, anytime you want, on any device you want. So we're completely changing what entertainment is all about. We're allowing people to get more enjoyment out of their life, and we're disrupting you know, this industry called television. Most of the world will get video, and we'll get most of their programming through a mobile device. Um, So it's an exciting time to imagine what are the new business models, what are the new needs. You know, so you you got a DVR, you know, X number of years ago and you got all excited, so now you can record that stuff. But it gets full, so we moved the DVR up to the cloud, so now you can watch anything from the past month. You don't even have to remember to, to record it. So we continue to innovate, come up with new business models, and that's really, really just a lot of fun.
1: With all the success you've achieved, what's your biggest challenge now?
2: Oh, every day is full of challenges. So probably the biggest challenge is today we live in what I call an era of endless innovation. The pace of change has never been greater. And in a one market, as I said in the beginning, you have to be the best in the world. We've gone from a world of Coke and Pepsi and McDonald's versus Burger King to really in a digital world where it's a winner take all. Okay, you know, Uber will put every taxi company globally out of business because they'll have access to big data. You know, what's the second biggest search engine after Google? No one cares. Okay. So in that type of competitive environment, you really, really have to figure out what is your piece of turf, how do you own it, and how long do you have to defend it because business models change. You know, Apple Computer, back when Steve Jobs was there and, you know, we were negotiating stuff, was a failed computer company. You know, 3% market share does not sound like a dominant business. So rather than throw in the towel, Steve said, what's another business we can get into? So he looked at consumer electronics with the iPod. And when he did well with that, he looked at mobile, you know, and now they're looking at cars. So 10 years ago, if I would tell you that Ford Motor and Apple were going to be competitors, you would have laughed. So you never know who your next competitor is going to be. So you have to learn how to disrupt yourself before you're disrupted by your competition. And that's really the challenge today, is to be in this endless cycle of looking for opportunity. And it's not just about breaking the value chain out there. You know, Napster unlocked value. Different companies can unlock value. Craigslist destroyed newspapers. It's figuring out where can you capture the profit, where can you capture the business, and it's such an exciting time, and there's so much endless opportunity, the sharing economy, you know, the billions of, of items that will now be giving us data that will be connected to the internet to make our lives easier, that there are tons of businesses that people haven't even thought of right now, that the big guys spent all the money to make it happen, and any small group of motivated individuals can capture millions of dollars of, of business right now.
1: You have been on the cutting edge for decades. How do you stay there?
2: Oh, that's really easy. If you want to predict the future, hang out with people that are coding it. Um, so, you know, I, I hang out with them and spend a lot of time reading online who's filing for what patents, what, what engineers are working on what, really getting a sense. Why did uh, Apple just get a, a tennis shoe patent? Oh, they're coming out with tennis shoes that will charge your wearable devices. Oh, what's happening in wearable devices? So you can really see what's happening in the labs. And, and here's the missing piece for every entrepreneur listening. Okay? Scientists, those, those guys working and inventing all this cool stuff at universities, have no idea what they're doing. Let me repeat that. Scientists have no idea what they're doing. I'm not knocking scientists. I'm not making fun of scientists. I'm actually defining what the scientific method is. It's to discover something that's unknown, which means they don't know what they're doing. It also means that when they discover something, their purpose for discovering it isn't to launch a business. Their purpose is to discover something. So here, all these research universities are coming up all these patents, all these things, and they're just sitting there for an entrepreneur to come along and say, hey, can I take that and turn that into a business? NASA even has a website of their patents that you can go and turn into business. You know. When you clean up uh, that mess in your kitchen today with a dustbuster, that's a NASA patent uh, that you know Black & Decker went and said, "Wait a second, we can turn this into something that people can use." So you have an advantage when you look at everything from a how can I build a business out of it, and it could be in, in R&D, it could be in sales, it could be any part, and that's really uh, you know how you stay at the forefront. You know, I wish I could clone myself. I love auto, uh, self-driving cars. Uh, it's inevitable. You know, on the one hand. Tens of millions of truck drivers are about to lose their jobs over the next five years. There's already 18-wheelers on the Autobahn in in Germany. But what does a self-driving car do that creates new opportunity for the entrepreneur? Well, if you're not looking out the windshield, what are you going to be doing? It's a a portable living room. It's an entertainment center on wheels. How are you going to deliver video? Will it know what your favorite foods are and and just right at noon drive you past the restaurant of your choice? Who will build those pieces of software? Who will come up with those little pieces of business? That's the entrepreneur, and that's what's really exciting and what I like to call being a disruptor. Um, uh, quick quick point to help any of the listeners. If you've made it this far through the interview, congratulations, you're, you're motivated, you're thinking about change. I have a 40-page workbook companion to disrupt you that I will send anybody listening for free for being a fan of Seth. So just either reach out to me, at Jay Samet on Twitter, or find me on social media, or go to JSAMIT.com and I will give you the 40-page workbook. So you can spend one month, do the exercise, and, say, and at the end of it, you know, have your billion-dollar idea. And if you don't think it's possible, as I talk about in, in the book, uh, I teach how to build a high-tech startup at, at, at USC. I was teaching. Two students had an idea the first year. They did $150 million in top line. It is possible, folks.
1: That is absolutely incredible and a great offer. We greatly appreciate that. We'll put that in the show notes. Everyone should take advantage of it. What are three of your, I mean, you've written uh, so much, and Disrupt You is an absolutely incredible book. What are three of your favorite books that have had the most impact on your work?
2: Um, as a young boy, there was a book called The Peter Principle, which basically said that everybody rises to their level of of, of, of failure and stays there, and it was mind-blowing to show me that the world was exactly the opposite of what I was taught. And, and just to explain it for two seconds with the books you know, 30, 40 years ago, um, if you're a really good school teacher, that means you're great with kids, so they promote you and make you the principal, so you have to deal with teachers and parents. If you suck at being a principal, you stay there forever. Right? If you're good at being principal, they send you to you know, superintendent of schools and school board, where you have to deal with politicians and whatever. So everybody rises to their level of incompetence. And if you start visualizing the world that way, it becomes much easier to sell things to people. Um, so that was a real key book. Um, just finished uh, Rob Kersick's uh, Vaporize, which really talks about how every aspect of our world is going digital as opposed to uh, physical and what that means for most industries, and there's a real nice uh, uh, you know, brain uh, stimulator possibilities. possibilities. Uh, there's so many good books. you got to, you know, the start-up of you. Uh, there's, there's, you really need to continue to educate yourself, and what I like to remind people is I'm in my 50s. I've been very blessed, but imagine for a second I was a, a doctor, and you had something seriously wrong with you, and I told you, I have not learned anything or taken any courses or read any books since I got out of college. Would you go to me? I don't know any of the new drugs for the last 30 years, any of the new procedures, any of the new equipment. There's no way in hell, right? The majority of college graduates in this country don't read another book, okay? If you wonder why your career isn't taking off, you have to commit to lifelong learning. And it starts today, it starts every day, and so, you know, Get out there and expand your mind, and you'll also at the same time be expanding your opportunities.
1: Great advice. Fascinating story. Incredible. I've got pages of notes. I'm sure our listeners do, too. Again, tweet at Jay to get the 40-page workbook. The book is Disrupt You, which is absolutely phenomenal. Um, You can get it at jaysamet.com. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you next time. Jay, thank you so much for giving us some of your very valuable time and incredible expertise. We really appreciate it.
2: Thanks, Seth. Let's go out there and disrupt the world. Thanks again.
1: And we're out. We are out. Thank you so much. Incredible interview.
2: Thanks. Thanks for being flexible in the time. sorry that my life uh, gets out of my control.
1: That's okay. I totally understand. My pleasure to accommodate you. Um, We are a week or two ahead on the show, so I will get you a link to it before it airs, so you can share it or do whatever you want with it, and look forward to uh, doing something with you in the future.
2: Terrific. Take care. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.